Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. So this episode... I'm going to be very vulnerable at this moment. This episode is why I started podcasting. This episode is why I started podcasting for us. And when I say for us, I mean us as black people, us as the wine community, us as minorities in the wine community. We are layered. We are brilliant. We are flirty. We're funny. We're all of these things. And this episode encapsulates all of that. Our special guest is Brene Royal. She is a wine grower. She's not just a wine grower. She is a brilliant black woman who is a wine grower. She started farming when she was a kid. She grew up a farmer. She was in the future farmers of America at the age of 17. She started drinking wine in college and, you know, was trying to figure out what she wanted to do next. Eventually, she landed on crops and horticulture science. This led to her internship at her very first vineyard, and she has been growing grapes ever since. This is Brene's third time on the Swirl Suite and you will see why. Every time she comes, she comes with something stronger and she comes bigger and badder and it's amazing to watch her. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Swirl Suite wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us five stars, comment, and share that you're listening to this episode. Enjoy. Cheers. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Wine Wednesday. Hey, ladies, how are y'all? Hello. 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 Hey, hey. How was y'all's Valentine's Day? Do y'all really celebrate that kind of thing? Mm, no. I'm just asking because I don't. Um, <laughs> not really. No. Okay. No. No. But I will say, Sarita, Sarita, chef, show off, chef, <laughs> chef, Sarita. I saw your Drago oysters that you were making. I tried. I tried. I, yeah, I never shuck, you know, I I enjoy oysters in many forms, but I never shucked them before. And I saw them in Wegmans. I was like, well, let me just get a half dozen. So they had three different types. So I got two of each. I was like, well, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out. And uh, it took me a while. It took me a while to, to crack the first one, but once I got it, I was like, okay, I get it now. I got it. So it, I, I am nervous that I will slice through my hand. Yeah, so I was I, too. Be- yeah. Like on most of the videos, they tell you to use one tile and sort of fold it over your hand. I had two. I was like, <laughs> let me just, <laughs> let me just cover myself. And I used two tiles. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they were, they could describe everything over and over again, but I still wasn't getting it. And I had to watch, I had to watch the video over and over again. And then I had to change knives and yeah, I got after like 35, 40 minutes, I, I finally got one open. They look good. They look Thank you very, very much. Yeah. yeah. I didn't were... see the post. So what, did, how did you cook them after you got them open? Yeah. So I, when I got them open, I, um, I added some Parmesan cheese, butter, and some herbs, and I just broiled them. Oh, okay. Yeah, for barely 10 minutes. Nice. And they weren't quite Dragos, but they were good. They were good. Yes. And they paired wonderfully with the rosé that I got from the wine concierge. (laughs) It's a a Cremant. Yes. Yeah. A Cremant rosé. It was wonderful. 
So now did you buy that from the wine concierge? I did. I placed my order last week and it was delivered to me. Yes. Nice. So mm-hmm. that's a reputable company, huh? Oh, it is. I oh, yeah, it okay. is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad I'm in the room. <laughs> Did y'all watch the Super Bowl? I was on the plane, sorry. Missed the uh, whole thing and the halftime show. Salty. Oh, oh you would have loved the halftime show. Glad I, I you know, know you've seen coverage. <laughs> oh, I've been trying to find snippets on um Facebook. I'm gonna have to go to YouTube. Cause I love me some Snoop and Dr. Dre, so I gotta, I gotta find it. I got. Glennis, gotta... when Mary started dancing, all I could think of is you <laughs> and doing her classic moves. And you know what? At first, I saw this. I don't know if y'all saw this on Instagram, but there was a snippet. I think Essence or Ebony put it together, and it was Mary doing her classic move in different outfits, like over time. <laughs> And at first, I thought it was like, you know, uh, a spoof or what have you, but it was her. And their whole caption was like consistency. And I was like, this is not what you want to put down as consistency. She just looks like she's stomping grapes (laughs) and moving people out the way. (laughs) Horrific. She can, girl, stop it. Stand there and twerk or something. Just, uh. (laughs) anyway. Anyway. Uh, uh, uh. Oh my God, but I enjoyed the halftime show. I stumbled upon this article and it said that people were tweeting um, and posting the menu for cocktails and beer at the Super Bowl. Y'all won't be- like believe the prices. So guess how, ridiculous. Much, guess how much one beer costs? Regular size beer. 15 brand. 25. 15. Close, $19. Mm-hmm. $19. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's isn't that crazy? That's it's yeah. such a cash cow. I remember my dad used to be um a Redskin season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember the current name. And um Commanders. <laughs> the Commanders. He used to be a season ticket holder and he had this little um portable bar where he would put his, his whiskey and, and his chaser and everything in the, his little carrying case. It was like a little carrying case that he had. And he and could bring that mom, in? He could bring it in is when it was that the was RFK back in the day. Yeah. Mm. And, um, <laughs> and he would, and my mom would make him fried sandwiches. <laughs> and he would wrap up his sandwiches and it was when they were at RFK. Those That's were the right. good old days. Yeah, my yeah. things have changed. Right. <laughs> yes. So we have a special guest today, and we are not going to keep her long because she is a busy woman. Welcome back to the Swirl Suite. Renee. Hi, ladies. Hello, Hello. beautiful. How are you? <laughs> you are moving and shaking out there on the West Coast. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, it's, it's been really exciting, actually, uh, how much influence I've been able to have and how much people are impacted by some of the partnerships I've been able to create. So that response has been wild. And then even to be on the NAFA side yesterday and hearing people are trying to get in touch with me, I'm like, well, who am I? Wow. Like, who? <laughs> who is she? <laughs> I'll put you in contact with her. She's coming. 
nice. so it's been really fun. Are you gonna need your own team soon? I yeah, it's it's something that I keep shying away from. I keep trying to remain the resident mountain troll out here on Monterosso, but it's coming for me. <laughs> yeah, you, so you mentioned partnerships, so you might as well just go into that. So tell us about this new partnership you have going on. So there's uh, quite a few, and I plan to highlight those on my social media platforms, but the most impactful one that I'm so excited to see finally come full circle is the one with Brown Estate. Um, in 2018, I went out there. I didn't even know Brown Estate was a thing um, and had a bunch of friends invite me out. We went out to the caves and my mind was blown by the entire story. And for me, I, I think I was 28 or not yet 28 at the time. And I hadn't really seen other Black people, let alone you have this prominent Black family that's making wine for everybody and not leaning on the fact that they are Black-owned. Like, they are making some of the best Zinfandels in California, and they really leaned on the quality of what they were producing and how they were farming it. And that, to me, hits home for me because I don't have young Black female on my resume. Like, I'll let my work speak for me. So the fact that you know, that was kind of what they leaned on and what their foundation was built on was very um, inspiring to me. And then to have David Brown waltz in, and by this time we're all turned, uh, Sean, who was previously <laughs> their, uh, their hospitality manager was pouring us everything. Like you would think we were all family members. And so I was just roped in and was like, I need to get my fruit in here. And so for the next couple of years, I would call David, but I didn't have what he wanted for sale at the time. And then finally, 2020, I called him again. I said, hey man, is this the year? And sure enough, he said, you know, we've got this other wine that we're now starting to do that's not from the estate. We want you to be next. And he came out to the ranch and when I knew that was a thing and that contract, like the ink was still dry, <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> people are not ready for this. So certainly when it was announced, you know, last week, two weeks ago now, you know, I expected no less because of the position I've been able to build on such a, you know, famed branch like Monterosso and then just the legacy that Brown Estate continues to build, to bring that together is just so special to me. And the wine is amazing. It's completely sold out. So like, you got to know somebody who knows somebody. Uh, but it's, it's- Well, since we know you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that does the shameless plugs for the good taste. <laughs> since we know you, Rita has all our addresses. You don't have to go through too many people to get it to us. <laughs> I got the plug. I, I know somebody. I know somebody. <laughs> okay. Okay. We don't pressure you. We don't pressure really you too good. much. Really well, Serena won't. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I am not mad at that. <laughs> so, what's it like in the vines right now? Like, so what? What are you doing now? Uh, so. I'm experiencing a lot of bud breaks. So uh, this is abnormally early. Um, it is. It's hard to uh -huh. ignore global warming at this point when I have clusters in February. Wow. Um, so I spent a lot of my time, like, I mean, I was, when I found it back on January 24th, that was the first time in probably four or five years that I've had to scrap my two-week plan. I'm always planned like two, two weeks out and 
to see the vineyard further along than what was going on in my mind. I was like, oh, well, none of this is relevant anymore. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I, for me, like, I'm not afraid to throw away my plans. It's always, there's always something that kind of um, throws you for a loop. Uh, so to see as much bud break is going on and to be so early in the season, I'm honestly just trying to plan out what that looks like because through the pandemic, I still haven't known what day of the week it is. So to see the vineyard so much further along, I'm walking out there thinking maybe it's closer to March or it's closer to April and it was middle of February. So the vineyard is, is off to the races and now I'm just trying to pivot and make sure that I stay ahead of any of the challenges that are inevitably going to come. Has it been unusually warm there or? It's been 80 what? degrees. Yeah. Wow. wow. This, I'm wearing a jacket because I'm in my office, which has a lot of shading, but um, no, it has been short, sundress weather. It's it's like the spring deception. It has been so warm out here. Like snakes are out. That's how. Oh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> snakes are out. You shouldn't see snakes in uh, in February and they're, they're definitely out. You shouldn't see them at all. So what do you do? You Do you just let them, what? They are a beneficial pest. Um, I have a lot of rodent populations, whether they be, you know, field mice or gophers or bulls. So we try not to kill them. However, the guys love eating rattlesnake. I haven't seen any rattlesnakes yet. Um, so if the guys see them, they'll- I'm sorry, back up. You say the guys like eating rattlesnake? Yeah, I've had it too. Um, so the younger it is, the more medicinal purposes they serve. So you'll make like a stew and you want to drink the broth. Um, and then if they're older, that's when you want to fry it. I have a belt now too. I'm official. So <laughs> don't, don't tell me it tastes like chicken. What does it taste like? It's, it's similar to chicken. It's a little bit um, chewier. It's good. Let me tell you what would happen to me if you gave me some of that. I would think a snake is crawling in my body. I would lose my freaking mind. That is a no. I no, so we're chopping. It's chopped up. It's chopped up. I don't know. I'll serve it in a quesadilla for you. So now I'm curious. So is it grilled mm -hmm. or sauteed? It's fried. It's, it's fried? Good. Okay. No. Hmm. No. It's good. Like you wouldn't know. Like I thought the same thing because in our minds, we're picturing like we're, you know, we're holding the snake and you know, just taking a bite out of crime. It is not like that. Just think of like chopped up chicken. Nope. No bones That's why I don't mess with y'all. If see? it ain't shrimp and I can't see what it looked like, I, if that's strange me, no. So mm -mm. actually shrimp is really good. It's, it's kind of like that gamier kind of chewy. Yeah. Mm. Now you make it sound good. If I come yeah, to California, I will try the rattlesnake. I've yeah. had this, yeah, I've had the stew. I've had it fried. I've come a long way. Um, yeah, I can so. have my portion, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, see, Glennis, you, you'll be the first one up there for seconds. I know it. <laughs> you got to get me to the first believer. one. It's not happen. Or it's make you a happen. believer. You'll be, I'm going to see you over there licking your Renee, fingers. There's a lot of things girl. you could give me, but snake ain't one of them. <laughs> Tell you right now. I don't eat, you know. I got a, I got three rooms in my house and all of them full with shoes and no snake skin because that's how scared I am of snakes. I have a degree in environmental science. I was a pharmacy major at first, and we had to take zoology and herpetology. I was about to rip every page out the book, and my mother had to put sticky tabs all over. And I told the guy in lab, you have to give me something else to dissect because I ain't dissecting a snake. 
That is, I am viscerally just talking about it is making me itch. I, mm -mm. Yeah, I will say just because I eat them doesn't mean I'm not afraid of them. Snake <laughs> is jarring, um, and I have to get called anytime we see a rattlesnake, um, and certainly make sure the protocols are being followed if uh, we've killed one. And it really doesn't matter if it's dead or alive. Seeing a rattlesnake is just jarring. Like your your hair stands up, and the guys carry machetes and shovels. And so I I definitely am the weakest link because I'm not out there. I'm not wrangling snakes, uh, but I do have to get called. And I think half the time the guys enjoy killing them because they know they got to call me. And then I'm standing like 50 feet away, like, where is it? Like, <laughs> y'all bury it? Y'all buried it? Yeah, see? Solo, so yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fear factor with it, but um you know, being out here, I mean, we're on a mountaintop. I'm at 1,300 feet elevation. You see some stuff. I don't know if you guys saw what else, what, what else do you see? So I yeah. don't know if you guys saw my stories last year, but uh, I was in here. I wasn't paying attention, and I was trying to wash my coffee mug. And in my peripheral, I saw something jumping, and it turned out to be a tarantula. And I almost what? lost my life. So then I just, for the rest of the week, the guys would see me just walking around taking all my meetings on my phone because I was like, I, I can't be in there. So my first, I'd always heard of, rattle, or, um, of, of tarantulas out here. I hadn't seen one until last year. And then a week later, you know, confirmed that the tarantula is gone. And we didn't kill the tarantula because I can only imagine what the tarantula has been eating, which I don't want to see. But then I came back into my little broom closet of an office here and there was a wolf spider and I've dealt with wolf spiders before those are mini tarantulas and much more furry and fast and my uh violet maze bed is right here and it was running along her bed so then I'm standing outside my office like man it is you or me and I gotta be on the computer <laughs> so again I was back outside <laughs> the guys were like what's wrong I was like look like there's just spiders and actually that day that I found the wolf spider was when I got a call that a uh, mountain lion had made a kill within the property line and he was the the South African man came out and was like oh you want to join me and I was like you know I have nothing to lose I can't be in my office so we trekked out there and we got within about 30 meters of the mountain lion and her cub. Um, and we knew they were there because uh, the gentleman was carrying an antenna that was reading her GPS collar. He wanted to change the collar and then get one on the baby. So like we had to hike down in this ravine. Mind you, I'm on, I'm a mount, on a mountain site. We're down in this ravine. I'm hearing the beeping going off. He's telling me, okay, now you want to stand close because the birds have warned sent out the warning signal. I'm looking around at the birds like, oh my God. <laughs> and then uh, we found where she made the kill. So I'm looking up his dead deer, like, Renee, you've made some poor life choices today. And I can see where the vineyard is. So I'm, I'm, I got blisters on the back of my heels. I'm not supposed to be down there. I'm carrying this big stick. He's down there just fascinated. And we can see the trail of where she killed the deer and where the grass was flattened and where the hair was. And he's telling me this and he is just ecstatic. And I'm standing there like, look, my guy, I am not supposed to go out this way. Like, <laughs> I actually have a meeting at two o'clock that I need to be at. Like, I wasn't supposed to be down here. There's a spider in my office. It's Wednesday. I got work tomorrow. <laughs> I got a life to live. So then we had to hike all the way back up 
and we had to hop a fence to get back over and and he looks back at me and he's like man he's like you know usually the women don't want to do this and I was like well <laughs> this is my first really last time. like this is straight out of the Lion King I'm supposed to be on this side <laughs> of the fence um but I yeah so we've I mean we have wildlife all the time. I just ran into an injured jackrabbit. I think one of my team members uh, interrupted uh, dinner. So we run into a lot of wildlife. We've had a bear, we've had a couple bear sightings, uh, rattlesnakes, coyotes, skunks, bobcats, foxes, turkeys. All I know wildlife. is one time in your stories, you posted there was a bat in your house. Yeah, I didn't even post the second time it happened. The second time it happened. Second um it was a bigger bat but I was in my I was in my room waiting I was watching squid game and it was during harvest so I was like trying to wait till the last minute before I had to go and join the pick and I started seeing this this uh shadow and sure enough it was another bat and the unfortunate thing about the first time the bat was in my 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 bedroom I had all these Instagram doctors <laughs> telling me about how I needed to get all these vaccines and I could die. And I was yeah. like, yo, wait. And there are all these people like, no, here are my credentials. You need to go. And I, was, I ended up going and getting a, a shot. I was, so, so many people were in my DMs like, no, you, you really could catch something. Like you need to go. It's and, very toxic. Their, oh, yeah. their, their droppings are extremely toxic. Well, and he was angry and hissing because I was trying to catch him. I knew I didn't want to kill him. My cat was in there trying to get him. Violet Mae was downstairs wanting no parts. It was a zoo. So uh, <laughs> we've run into everything. So like uh, seeing spiders and stuff now, it, it it's still a little jarring, but I'm always like, all right, well, I got to be here. I'm not going to try and kill you, but like you or me and this is my space. <laughs> So you see a lot. You see a lot. It's it's. I'm I'm a little rough around the edges. I mean, I already was, and now I'm just complete rough rider. Like, all right, <laughs> don't call me in a crisis, but I've seen some stuff. <laughs> I've been around the block. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. crazy. That that is crazy. Yeah, it's it's. It's the wildest. So you're so It's fun though. It's fun. Like that the wildlife don't mess with Violet. Violet doesn't mess with them. Um, they see her all the time. Um, mm. yeah. It's, and the crows, the birds, yeah. They know me. So it's like I'm I'm like uh snow black, you know, just go out there singing. Everybody come on by. <laughs> so, <laughs> come around, animals. We have a vineyard to manage. <laughs> we farming for wine. <laughs> wow. So when is the next time you have to like take action in the in the vines? Do you have to do anything right now? Yeah, so we're finishing pruning. Um, we're going to wrap up all the young vines. Typically with pruning, we stagger it based on age of vines, depending on uh, what kind of disease pressure there is. But because it's so warm and the vines are growing, we're going to prune it and figure that out. Next moves on the vines will be shoot thinning. And, you know, given this rate of growth, we'll probably see that happening in three or four weeks. Um, but right now it is going to be turning to weed control. So 
um, as I start to transition the vineyard to go organic, uh, we're utilizing more mechanical implements. So a lot of the team is going to be out there with a machine I, I'm actually just starting to show called the Pilon Cultivion, Cultivion uh, which is just a battery operated hoe. Um, and then we're out there with shovels. Um, so right now it'll be cleaning up, preparing to get the irrigation going, start fertility. So actual physical stuff on the vines, probably three or four weeks out, but now we're going to start, you know, preparing the soil and making sure our, our nutritional health is, is where it needs to be to get these vines going. We got a lot of rain this year, but coming off of super drought in 2021 we're not quite where we need to be so there's going to have to be some additional things we do to make sure these vines get a solid start mm. so you mentioned transitioning to organic and sustainable what what is that process how is that different from what you were doing previously so being certified sustainable means that we can use different products that are synthetic and have, you know, man-made and have different modes of actions that are typically more economically feasible to obtain and more viable for a business plan. Um, they're not necessarily, um, let's see, unsafe. I mean, I think any chemical is unsafe, but used properly, they meet their purpose and um, can be okay for the environment in certain quantities. Moving towards organic means we're not using really any chemicals that aren't made from mm. naturally, naturally occurring resources. So for me, it's we're moving completely away from sprays. Um, we still will put out sulfur. You can do sulfur dust or sulfur wettable, but that's a naturally occurring um, uh, resource. And there's some biological things that we can do, but it's effectively moving away from chemicals okay. and then making sure anything that you're putting in the ground is also organic. So like not having treated wood, maybe using metal stakes instead. Um, your fertility is you know, biologically made, it's usually compost. Um, so making sure that you're utilizing things that are already naturally occurring to manage your farming mm -hmm. operation. So it can be quite expensive. However, being on Monterosso, it's already so challenging and operationally I'm so limited. It's not a big transition. It's just moving away from things that cost a lot less uh, and usually work a lot quicker and have a higher threshold to things that are now naturally occurring and really opening up your mind as to what is an aesthetically pleasing vineyard. Because in an organic system, you're going to see a little bit more weeds. Um, you're going to see a little bit more chlorosis. You're going to see maybe some uh, smaller clusters and stunted growth. And that's just it naturally working without all these man-made products coming in and making them crank. So... What grapes are you growing? I have 10 varieties. Uh, so across the 250 acres planted, it's about half planted to Cabernet Sauvignon. Distant second now is Zinfandel, but then I have Sangiovese, Petit Syrah, Cap Franc, Petit Verdot, Grenache, Malbec, Syrah, and my lone white variety, Semillon. So the entire mm. property is 575 acres. Um, I've got the 136-year-old Semillon, which is the second oldest in the world. I've got 129-year-old Zinfandel, 
And then I've got 81-year-old Cabernet Sauvignon all the way down to things that we planted on July 16th of last year. So uh, nine different trellis systems, 16 different spacings, uh, got the 10 varieties all done by hand, 54 blocks or different, you know, sub pieces of, of acreage, um, all different aspects and um, yeah, an elevation range of 690 feet up to 1300 feet. So we sit above the fog, we sit above the clouds, but um, it's just hot and we have many little microclimates within it. That's interesting. So was there a particular rationale why you chose to do majority red varietals versus white? And I'm assuming the Simeon is mostly a blending grape. Um, so, I mean, the vineyard's 136 years old, and they started transitioning to mostly reds at the end of the 70s and the 80s, and it's just because Cab does super, super well out here. We're a region mm -hmm. two vineyard, so, and being southwest facing, we get a lot of sun, so you're just hot. Um, and red varieties up here in this volcanic soil do super, super well. Um, that old Simeon is a mainstay of when it was established back in 1886. And actually, um, people make standalone Simeons from it. It's not your typical Simeon. Oh, nice. It's actually got some depth to it. It's a lot of citrus, um, lots of minerality. It's a, it's, it's a heavy Simeon that has a ton of ageability. And that's on head train lines, totally dry farm. It's a special, special Simeon. Wow. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that for a while. It's interplanted with uh, some different varieties, primarily uh, Palomino, but that's kind of the same case with our super old Zinfandel. There's a lot of Alicante Boucher, uh, Grand War. You can find uh, Muscat, Mission. If you look, you'll find them. So with a vineyard this old, you can go out there and see some things. Um, but yeah, the red variety transition really happened late seventies and it's just because you really don't have to work too hard across cab out here. And the other blending grapes are, are exactly that and are complementary to, to the cab programs that we have coming off the ranch. Nice. I love Simeon. That's yeah, like me too. Of, I absolutely. It is it. hard to find. Um, I do show yes. those on my page as well. Typically those people are sold out pretty quick, but mm. it's a special Simeon if you can get your hands on it. Well, we know people. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I was just gonna sit here like, oh man, Brene, shut up, shut up. I don't have any. I don't have any. <laughs> I only get two bottles. I got to share that with people at work. <laughs> what what great would you say is the most challenging for you? Um, I would say Zinfandel. Really? Uh, I got Zinfandel. Yeah, because Zinfandel even on a uniform trellis system can be very variable from vine to vine and cluster to cluster. And you guys have seen the pictures of how gnarly some of the vines are. So like you already have a, a variable grape that's gonna have different levels of maturation and whether it has shot berries, uh, raisins or full berries. Now you have positions that are six feet in the air, two inches off the ground, everything in between. So trying to get balance within uh, the wine style that you're going after, but also just the maturation and making sure that the vine health is there. You have all these different things that just conflict against each other. And heaven forbid mother nature isn't playing on your side, whether it's too wet and you open yourself up to botrytis or it's too hot 
and now you're getting a bunch of desiccation and now you've got this you know raise, raisin cluster sitting there so I will say it's the most challenging because of all of that inherent complex complexity and then also the fact that a lot of our Zinfandel is dry farmed so I don't have a lot of flexibility on timing like that's not a vine that I can sacrifice on because it's already working super hard. Oh, and by the way, it's over a hundred years old. So not only am I not getting a lot of fruit, but I got to curate what I do get. And I got to make sure that not only does the fruit get ripe, but that I don't um, stress this vine out so much that it doesn't come back the next year. So they're incredibly expensive to farm. And you, by just little tweaks in Zinfandel, you can really skew how the wine is going to taste. If you pick it too early, how the acid's going to show up. If you pick it too late, how high that alcohol can skyrocket. So um, it's, it's really fun to do once you get the hang of it. Like now I have 15 buyers, 15 outside wineries making uh, Monterosa Zinfandel, and it's been super neat to try them all side by side and not have an identical wine, and they're all very complementary of each other, but it takes a lot to get that Zinfandel right, um, and it's just an early ripening grape. Like, the Zinfandel was the first thing out, and it'll be the first thing we harvest probably August this year, so you have a shortened window of when you can get these things done and hit the wine program that you want, so I love it. Um, I, I just love Zinfandel. And even when working with all these 15 Zinfandel producers, like when vetting them, I was going and tasting in their portfolio. And I was like, all right, is this, a, is this something that we can mimic on the ranch without losing what the ranch gives off and like what it imparts in the wine, but also gives these winemakers the ability to put their own spin on it. So you know, again, we're not having 15 Monterosa wines that taste exactly the same. And when you guys see these things released, there's some people releasing a 14.4 alcohol Monterosa, which I've never seen before, but it's a beautiful wine. And then we've got a lot of people at 14.8 to 15.2. And then we got the people at 16%. And they're all just beautiful wines. Like the Brown Estate one is a sleeper. When I remember when I first had that wine, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to creep up on people. This is one of those bottles of wine, like you'll clear through it like you're on, you know, early pandemic Zoom meeting with your friends and not realize <laughs> you just made it through that bottle and it's going to catch up with you. I think it's 15-3 and uh, it will catch you, but it's a sleeper. You don't, I mean, the tannins are balanced. So it's not hot. You can't feel it. Very fruit forward. I know. I need to stop talking about it. It's such a beautiful wine. Hmm. Um, and the other two people, Limerick Lane and Turley, uh, wines who were in the same blocks as Brown Estate. I tasted those three wines um, within a day of each other, and they're from the same blocks and completely different wines, but they do still impart what each of those blocks gives. So for me, tasting it and knowing the blocks, I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally tell you were here. This is what we were wanting to do. And ultimately, their Monterosso wines are complementary to the rest of their portfolio. So there's a lot that goes into why I make the decisions to partner with people. It's not just this personal thing, but ultimately just wanting it to be a mutually beneficial partnership because Monterosso wines are so distinct. So I kind of moved away, but Zinfandel. <laughs> no, that's very, that's very interesting. So I want to make sure I understood. So Turley, you have Turley. Okay. I want to make sure I understand how this Turley partnership is working. Explain it. I'm selling fruit off of Monterosso. 
He's selling and tools. Now. I have people in mind that I'm like, hmm, like I kind of want to work with them, or people yeah. will approach me and I will go and taste through their portfolio, understand what their business models are, look at their price points, um, because there's there's always imparting cost and the price is definitely up out here. So making sure all of those things work for us. And then I'll have them come visit the vineyard. We'll talk about a couple sites that I think make sense given their profile because you never want to blow up you know your consumer base with a wine that is completely contradictory to what your profile is you always want to pay homage to like any of your vineyard designates but you don't want them to like you know shock the system so after seeing like yeah this portfolio would be a great fit like Monterosso would fit right in have them come out to the ranch and then when they say okay yeah like this could actually work we'll negotiate a price I'll drop a contract and then we'll go through the rest of the year talking about the farming of the block to make sure that it is matching, you know, the goals intended. Um, and so, yeah, those partnerships that I call out are gonna be people who utilize, utilize Moon Mountain, or not Moon Mountain District, but Monterosso Vineyard on the bottle. But it's very much uh, a, a collaborative kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, this could work for us, let me bring you out to the ranch and see if this farming and my business plan works for you. Just so we make sure that we can get along. Cause I know the farming's good. And I know you're going to make a good wine, but do you and I get along? Right. <laughs> well, I will so, definitely be looking for Monterosa um, on the Turley, um, in the Turley portfolio. It's coming. Do, yeah. I need it. It's coming. I'm very excited about Turley as well. So as because watchers, I'm, I'm, how do we how do we keep up with where your fruit is going? So how do we stay in tune like with what your partnerships are? Instagram. <laughs> um, I keep them pretty close to the chest. I don't have NDAs anywhere, but uh, I keep them pretty close to the chest because there is a long process even after harvest. So even though I give you a trademark early on, doesn't mean you can use it until I've evaluated your wine and said, all right, you're not releasing a flawed wine. Cause you know, anything can go wrong. We've experienced fires and we've experienced, uh, you know, mistakes in the winery. So while I have full confidence in the people that we're issuing trademarks to, it's just a matter of protecting the name and making sure that, you know, all systems were going, you're releasing a wine that everyone is proud of and you're not in some pinch where you know, you're releasing because of other reasons. So in an effort to protect the name, I do keep that information closer to the chest until we have label on the bottle and a release date, and then I can promote it to uh, my audience. But that's probably the quickest way you'll know. Outstanding. Definitely looking for Turley when they send me my allotment. They'll be like, <laughs> I know her. I want that one. <laughs> when it says any special instructions, Blennis, you do not do not add my name. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, who? <laughs> I'm gonna get a call from the winery talking about a lot of people said we know her. Like no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I know too many people who will. I would do it. Like, hey, like no, I just want to know which one I'm ordering when I well, I order. I consistently order pretty much the same Zen from them. But when I see your, cause they do have different um, vineyards mm -hmm. that they partner with. And when you mentioned it and you mentioned Turley, I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. So I'm looking forward to it is what I was Yeah, saying. I, Turley is the one I got to follow up on. I'm supposed to go up and taste with him pretty soon. I, that's the one I'm 
been uh, lagging on, but yeah, Limerick Lane is coming pretty soon, which is going to be really, really good. Uh, we have a lot of people doing Zen. Um, Bedrock, of course, Bialy. So, and a lot of new people who have yet to, to be announced. Um, and that's only growing. So I've been able to build this aspect of the business to something that it's never been before. So I'm definitely pushing the goals as to who can buy what and why, and eventually we'll turn it into a lottery. So it's not so much that you can't sit with us. It's just, I'm gonna keep raising the bar until somebody tells me, all right, we're good right here, but I don't think anybody's ever settled. So I'm just gonna keep pushing the bar until somebody is like, ah, somebody get her. <laughs> Who does she think she is? <laughs> Have you ever partnered with somebody outside of California? Not yet. Not yet. That's definitely coming as well, but not mm. yet. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be interesting to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, some, there's some stuff in the works. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's a last serious question before we move on. Um, what advice would you give someone who's trying to follow in your footsteps? I will say lean on your relationships. Um, don't get so high and mighty that you think because somebody doesn't have a following or because somebody's not known by somebody else that they don't have anything to offer you. I think you, my success has been in part of the connections that I've been able to make and then also those connections that I've been able to extend. Like, hey, me and this person probably couldn't make a partnership, but I heard an idea that I think you would be great for. So I will say to, to, to really start following into like the aspect of the job I'm in is lean on the relationships. And even if there's one that doesn't work, don't burn any bridges because our industry is so small. You never know who's just one person away from the person that's going to give you your big break. Um, Very true. And then, you know, obviously work hard, keep your nose to the ground. Um, I think the accolades that you get from all these major magazines and things like that are great. But I know for me, I had to still wake up at four in the morning the next day that thing came out and go to work. So like it opens up doors, but don't set your goals on who's going to recognize you because your work will always speak for itself and it will, it will speak louder than anything you've ever got to try and prove verbally. Um, so just stick your head to the ground, meet people, never shut down connections and be willing to work hard and start from the bottom. I think a lot of people, especially coming off of 2020 and the big reckoning with the uh, racial disparity in, in wine, people thought I just arrived and I was like, mm. <laughs> I've been since 2013. Like, what people only started learning my name in 2019. Okay, that was a year ago at the time. I was like, I have been out here. I started out as an intern. I didn't just become queen bee. I like, I had to get here. This confidence that I have in my job and in myself took eight years to get to. Like I once was that person screaming that I was the only, or, you know, expressing the imposter syndrome that I've had or assimilating so that people didn't pay any more attention to me or trying to be smaller than I was. And now I'm like, <laughs> what you know like now I, I have I have zero problem being like run that by me again you know like <laughs> let's talk like you know so the, it took eight years to get there so it's always interesting as I talk to you know kind of this incoming class it's like 
that took years to get to. And I didn't just arrive and have this kind of access or this ability to connect people. Like it, it was a lot of humility that I had to, to swallow. It was a lot of uh, mentorships and a lot of tears, a uh, lot of setbacks. I will say even for me in 2021, that was one of the hardest years that I've ever gone through in the last five years. And I'm still coming off of that. But like, it's, 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 your, it's just continued growth. Um, so don't watch, you know, who's doing what now, because trust and believe there has been years of work. And there's a lot of stuff that you will never see on social media that goes on that allows these people to showcase these highlights, myself included. But like, my whole Instagram is a catfish, but I'm, I'm wildly, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've been able to achieve and what I'm able to share with people because of all the things that happen that people don't see. So be ready to work, be ready to uh, not skip any steps. And, you know, your time is coming. Like nothing's going away. <laughs> when it's your time, you will shine, but stay true to what you're doing because when Instagram, when social media goes away, and when, when we have those days when, you know, it's not uploading, it's what you're doing in real life with people around you that count. <laughs> not everybody going on there to tap a like and give you some comment or some kind of engagement, like stay true to what you're doing in real life and, and the passion that you're bringing because it'll eventually speak for itself. Well said. Great words and wisdom. Absolutely. Exactly. Well Thanks. said. All right. So we have some quick, fun closeout questions. A few of these are just for you, but I think uh, the rest of them, we all can answer. First one, how long can you wear heels before you start making decisions? You know what? Um, if I have heels on, I'm in the process of making decisions. <laughs> I love the song by Crime Mob, Stilettos, Pumps, In the Club. Right? <laughs> I do <laughs> I've got stilettos and I've got boots, so I just stay ready. Uh, but if I'm wearing them, um, decisions are being made because we don't have that much time to waste. <laughs> Same. It just Same. Depends. depends on the mood. It depends on the outfit. Oh, not mad at that. Because I could, yeah. I could still wear heels with no problem. Mm -hmm. So, and it depends. The heel is a totally, um, what's the term? It depends because you can have a platform that's a hill that you can wear all day. You can have a wedge that's a hill that you can wear all day. So it just depends on the, you yeah. see what I'm saying? So it just depends yeah. on the yeah. event. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, wine events will set you up sort of like me and Leslie uh, were set up in December where there was no seating. We were invited to an event and it said tasting, but you just assume you're going to be able to sit down. But no, this was a walk around tasting. Marble, two hours marble two floors hours. oh, oh feet killing me my feet were killing me and I don't mm -hmm. I had a very high heel on but I wasn't prepared for that so yeah yeah, yeah. you can get caught pretty yeah quick. yeah uh, I don't know why, why you wouldn't have chairs at a at a drinking event though because yeah they were like tables. exactly it was it was very small it was very classy very cute um, it was around Christmas time, so it was Christmas lights and a tree, but it was just tabletops, and they had moved the chairs like in another room, so you couldn't. And they blocked it. it, yeah. So you couldn't. You couldn't even get to them. Yeah. Well, they were waiting for somebody. 
Like who thought that? Oh, they don't need to sit down. Right. Uh-uh. It was a man probably who don't wear a strap. No. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Chocolate covered fruit, nuts, bacon, or pretzels? Chocolate covered bacon with Monterosso cap. It will change yeah. your life. Milk chocolate and um, fry the bacon to perfection. Melt it on there and um, it'll change your life. That was one of our pairings in the tasting room. And um, you guys, uh, have you guys been to Lewis and Martini? Mm-mm. I okay. So I, I probably shouldn't say this on here, but like. Uh, I can take it out. Go ahead. Well, no, we can, we can keep it in. But uh, <laughs> there's this guy, Quinn. He's, uh, I think he's like 6'3", but he looks like Barack Obama. And I Already remember sold. I posting a, I know, I was, I was, learning, I was posting a group. <laughs> And uh, he came over and he goes, Brene, I want you to try this. And I was like, Quinn, look, the way this is set up, like, you know, <laughs> it just, <laughs> I was like, Quinn, get, maybe give me a six feet. Um, <laughs> it was so good. Um, so I, I'm forever changed. And he was just sitting off to the side, like, I know I got you. I was like, you did, like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> where are we at? We're at work, Quinn. Um, <laughs> it was so good it, it completely changed my life um but yeah so chocolate covered bacon mm, i like it <laughs> pretzels mm. now if you could wrap the bacon around the chocolate covered pretzels then that would be that sounds like money yeah yeah i'll i'll, I'll uh put that in quinn's ear like thank hey. you <laughs> <laughs> I will have to agree, but I would love, I love white chocolate on pretzels. Yes. Mm. Yep. Agreed. All together, one of my favorite chocolate covered foods. So I would say chocolate covered, white chocolate covered pretzels. And the whole bacon, that sounds marvelous. Mm -hmm. Because you would have to make the bacon crispy. So chocolate. And that's the only way I eat my bacon. So I like you know, that. I think of like the savory, the sweet and savory. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And then throw some cab on top. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. so good. Phenomenal. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I forgot to add this one, but at the Amish markets here, they sell chocolate covered potato chips. So they just like dip a huge like ruffle oh. potato chip and they just dip half of it. And then they, you know, set it off to the side. That's bomb. That's very good. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm chocolate covered nuts or any type, almonds, really? nuts, mm. any kind foot or neck massage. Neck, yeah. neck. Yeah. I, I, I hold a lot of stress up here in my shoulders. Same. Yeah. So. Why can't we have both? Right. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why can't we do Right. <laughs> you got two you hands got this all the time, Renee. <laughs> Calling a colleague, one on the foot, one on the neck. Get to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I have to think about it this way. We get pedicures all the time, so our footwork are technically taken care of most of the time. So that's but why they I'm don't going really massage the foot. When I was saying that this girl, she they massage the calf more, but when mm-hmm. when you pay for a foot massage, that's a whole yeah. game changer. 
Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Oh, and then they then they work in the oh, see. Now that's what I was thinking, not on a pedicure side. Because yeah. they're gonna give you a massage. But, you know, <laughs> I'm talking about yeah. two massages you pay for and the neck <laughs> massages you pay for. I want both. So making it an hour, half an hour each, make it two hours, whatever you gotta do, is the money. Yeah, I'm you know, I'm rooting for both, but if I had to choose, I would do the neck. Because yeah, all my tension is in my shoulders, right. especially sitting at a computer most of the day. Yeah. You don't realize how hunched over you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm neck. Yeah, all of my tension is in my neck and shoulders. I have a desk job. I have to be at the computer all day. So yeah, mm-hmm. yep, neck for me. Okay, Brene, this mm-hmm. next question is just for you. If this item falls from the counter, Violet May will come running. Oh, anything, um, <laughs> anything, uh, spatula. I mean, Violet's probably already in the kitchen, sitting there, just waiting, waiting for you to make a mistake. <laughs> uh, and the cat is sitting back waiting too. So uh, yeah, a special, like anything, she's sitting on ready. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, this last question is for everybody. What still white wine do you drink the most? You want brand or you want the grape? Uh, grape is fine. Okay. Mine's Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, mine's Sauvignon Blanc as well. It's just, I mean, it's just crisp. It's light. If I'm ever drinking a white wine, it's because I want something that's going to, you know, be fun, maybe take the edge off, but not set me back the whole day. I love red wines, but you know, when you're drinking a red wine, it can go a couple different ways. <laughs> but you know your temperature is gonna rise you're yeah. gonna start saying yolo to a bunch of decisions with white wine i can keep it cute um i you know i can probably have one glass and be good with red wine like it's a situation so yeah. uh sauvignon blanc keeps it keeps it cute keeps it crisp even bubbles you can do bubbles but i think i, yeah. I prefer uh sauvignon blanc i can throw yeah. some strawberries in there some raspberries you can get you can get wild with some white wine yep okay and Glennis, it was the same for you sauvignon blanc oh sauvignon blanc and if i had to do a bubble you know i'm doing cremant yeah my yeah. everyday chablis chablis are good oh sure chablis. Yeah. oh yeah definitely chablis. yes mm-hmm. yeah now leslie what about you it's not um, sauvignon blanc. <laughs> yeah it's not sauvignon blanc <laughs> No offense to Sauvignon Blanc. It's just, <laughs> you don't get a rose. You just that don't get a rose. Um, lately, I have been drinking a lot of Grenache Blanc. Mm. But if, if I didn't have that, it, it would be probably Pinot Gris. Hmm. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. All right, that's fair. For me, it's, it's actually Chenin Blanc. Nice. I always have Chenin Blanc and then a close second is Alvarino because when I see it, yeah. I just buy uh-huh. it because I, I, I don't see it very often. And when I see it, it's usually maybe two or three brands. And I'm like, just give me all of them. I, I like it too much. There's not one I hate. So let's, yeah. So those two are mine. Yeah. Or the Fumé Blanc. I had a Greg Rich Hills Fumé Blanc. Oh, oh that's good. That right. Oh God. That's so, so, so good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just I, I prefer red wines. So you can see me picking uh -huh. up Zinfandel any chance I get. But yeah, white wines. So you don't so you don't get tired of what you make. No, I'm absolutely well, like nice. to it too. Well, I think the nice thing of being able to work on a vineyard where like people are making wine specifically from your vineyard is you're never having the same thing year after year. Mm, so I think as all of us may experience, you know, we end up drinking so much wine and judging so much wine. You don't always turn off. So I know when I'm drinking my own stuff, I'm sitting there thinking, all right, like how was the season? What did we do? Why do I like this so much? What would I change? you know, what were we facing to create this wine? So I think it's a mix of pride and just um, the inability to really shut off and, and enjoy it, but to really understand what's going on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, uh, I, I don't get tired of my own stuff. In fact, I might bring it to the party and then that's all to get like, it's really bad. <laughs> it's terrible, but I'm definitely having at least a glass of my own stuff because at least I know it's good. Like, yeah. I don't know what the rest of y'all brought, but I'm going to have at least one good glass of wine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to get the satisfaction guaranteed over here. I don't know what the rest of you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, same. I think that's all of us. <laughs> right. yeah. We know yeah. we're going to bring something good. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> ladies any more questions for Brene before we uh send her on her way well I think we should cover it all yeah because yeah. I really wanted to hear about the brown and now that I heard about Turley that I'm looking forward to it all yeah it. I'll be I think I released the list of who's actually coming out I'll have to do it again I, I should post somebody today but um, yeah, I'll keep kind of sending out that list of who we can expect because people need to get on the wine clubs to get these new releases. Like, right. So I'll send out that list again about you know who's upcoming that you should keep an eye on. But I do want to thank you guys again. I think this is my third time. On. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite podcasts. I love what you guys are doing and. This is always such a fun conversation. We appreciate that. Tell everybody where they can follow you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can they follow you? Oh, where can they follow me? Sorry. Um, Cabernet is my handle. It's underscore C-A-B-R-E-N-A-E. And that's on most social, if not all. But yeah, that's my handle. And I think I'm the most active on Instagram. So yeah, her Instagram is great, y'all. It's like watching a show, like an adventure. <laughs> there are a lot of people praying for me, like, girl, what? <laughs> that one post, I think you posted the story where your, your truck had to get worked on because you said that mice or rats or something were running through your engine? We got our first rain and my truck started acting real funky. So I took it in thinking it was mechanical damage. And no, they were like, mice chewed up my entire harness under the carriage of my truck. So I lost it for like three weeks. Um, That's just crazy. <sighs> so <laughs> people just don't experience that. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, mice. And that's just like, not a common thing so people don't understand it like my house is in the middle of a vineyard so it is yeah. very much country living it's an old victorian it's like 6400 square feet like it's a big house but um you deal with the wildlife and you deal with the fact that mice are here and 
How do you I have skunks? So like the house is also raised. And so when we get bad weather or like when it's in a a, a, a true winter, um, bobcats will chase skunks under my house and then the skunks will spray. So it's not uncommon throughout the year for like me to wake up because my house got sprayed because the bobcats are eating the skunks and you can hear them running around outside or even like the one of the coyote dens is just on the backside so you can hear when they're fighting or when they're mating or when they're right outside um, and they'll howl right, right outside the window um, so yeah people who are here and have never heard a coyote scream it sounds like a woman screaming bloody murder it's very scary uh, if you've never heard it before so wow. you were, it's a situation it's like it's like ending on a somber note um <laughs> your wine's um, great or when we have it's uh, worth all of that when we've had like some unmarked uh, mountain lions and they got to come out here and tag them because you know it, it's illegal to kill them but you want to know where they're at. I had one killing bucks behind my house. So we would go out there and you know, it's a mountain lion because the carcass is completely untouched, which means it's marking its territory and letting these other animals know that, you know, one of the bigger animals on the food chain, this is his, or we found a deer carcass up in the tree. Uh, that was, that was wild. Um, yeah. So you just see some stuff and then you look back and you're like, man, I call this work. <laughs> if I don't go find myself a desk job, <laughs> I better have like, girl, if you don't just go get your life, <laughs> you know, go meet a nice man, man. start a family. It is not that bad out there in the street. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like I gotta. I, when I walk around with my head after after work, I'm like, Ooh, I've been out here for how long? Okay, this is why. This is why. This is why I'm single. <laughs> I'm out here, <laughs> like like Jane and Tarzan. Um, <laughs> so how long like Snow Black? You were out there like Snow, Snow Black, just yes, singing, <laughs> right? So how long is your day? You said you want at one point you said you you're out at 4 a.m. and it ends like what time? <clears throat> um, so now California is on a 40 hour work week. So I'll still start on either side of my team coming in, but my team now officially works anywhere from eight to 10 hours, which means I'm coming in before. So right now we're at a 7 a.m. start and with um, time springing forward pretty soon, we'll go to a 6 a.m. start because we can get sun pretty early out here. And then harvest, it's a 14 to 16 hour workday, probably starting at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And then we'll wrap up the pick around 6 a.m. And then I'll go and do stuff during the day. So during harvest, it's pretty much eat, sleep and, and work. Wow. Um, but yeah, throughout the season, it'll, it'll vary. I think our earliest start time will be one in the morning, depending on the heat, um, so that we can get work done when it's cooler. And everybody will work with uh, headlamps on. Otherwise, it'll be a 4 or 5 a.m. start. So um, I'm working about 10-hour days right now. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I, it doesn't feel like work. Like, you guys see enough when I'm showcasing. Like, I'm just out here, like, <laughs> looking at stuff. I get to be outside. I'm at wineries a lot of the time. It doesn't feel like work. And there are definitely days that it does, but... You know, to wake up at rough hours like that, you gotta love what you do. And luckily, yeah. you're coming up on nine years. Um, 
I still very much enjoy seeing Bud Break, even though it's ridiculously early and pulling pulling a day with the guys. So nice, nice. Well, cheers to you living your dream. That's awesome. Yep. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers Thank to you. you. I tell you, when we first met you, Brene, and now you have like stepped into your badassery, like yes, nobody's business. You are yes. a boss. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Send her your hat, Leslie, and maybe she'll send us some of that. <laughs> I like. I can send you one. Thanks for joining this real sweet. We will see you all next week. Cheers.